You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. This morning, uh, we find ourselves in the final week of our study uh, of Habakkuk and closing out the series, um, Hope in the Dark. So over the past two weekends, it's been a three-week series, uh, over the past two weekends as we've looked at uh, the story of Habakkuk and as it's unfolded, in the first week we looked at uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, and as we looked at Habakkuk chapter 1, we found Habakkuk uh, in a state of wait and wonder. He was waiting and he was wondering why God seemed unresponsive. And as always, when we study the word, we want to say, okay, how does that, how do we relate to that? How does that apply to us? And so uh, in that vein, what we determined, what we affirmed is that uh, uh, there are times when we are overwhelmed uh, by uh, the, the challenges, the situations, the difficulties of life, and there are unknown situations. And, and what we determined is in those situations, we don't always wait well. Would you agree? We just, we just don't wait well. And then last weekend, we looked to Habakkuk chapter 2, specifically the first four verses, but we took some time to see what was going on in the remainder of chapter 1. And what we found is we found Habakkuk in a state of confusion. He was struggling over um, God's plan of action to bring justice uh, against the people of Judah. And he just did not understand that. And so, again, and by way of application, and we determined that throughout our life there will be experiences, oftentimes very painful experiences that just don't make sense. And it's in those experiences that we can follow the example, the model that we saw in Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 where we poise ourselves to listen for the voice of God. And that means we have to stop and we have to be still so that God can speak. And then as we hear God's voice, as God speaks to us in those times, then uh, we follow the example and we write it down. When God speaks, it's important. And it's important to write it down because there is an enemy of our soul who wants to steal those spiritual truths that God wants to plant inside of us. So we write it down so that we can go back to it. But also we learn following the model of Habakkuk that there are times where we just have to wait. God says, wait, not yet. And and in the midst of all of this, we have to be people who learn to believe that we would have a faith uh, that we stand on that would carry us through, uh, or be with us within the struggle and carry us on through the struggle because God is working it out. And so today, while we recognize that those are uh, very familiar realities, uh, we also want to determine, we want to affirm that um, when we find ourselves in the valley of despair. Has anybody been in what you would say for your personal life, the valley of despair? Raise your hand if you have. Good, it's good to know we're not alone in the room. Uh, When you find yourself in the valley of despair, what we're gonna learn from Habakkuk is that uh, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't run, we don't, we don't give in to the despair. We don't, we don't run from the despair, but instead what we know is we can choose to proactively embrace God in the season, in the season of struggle, that that we can be intentional and we can say, I'm going to embrace you, God, in the struggle. And that's exactly what we're going to see today as we look to chapter three. Um, As we look to chapter three today, we're gonna see that Habakkuk has made movement. Um, He's, this is the man who had been um, uh, asking some very accusing questions of God. And now he's made some some movement in a very positive spiritual direction. And he's moved from, from doubt 
to faith. Uh, in this movement, he's determined that um, regardless of the situation, he's going to trust God even if he doesn't understand. He's going to turn his frustration. What we're going to see is Habakkuk in chapter 3 takes all of this frustration, the questions, the pain, all of this stuff that's going on, the struggle inside of him, and he, he exchanges it, and he exchanges it for prayer and for praise. Listen, he exchanges it for prayer and for praise. And I repeat that because it's very necessary. If we're going to understand, if we're going to take the story of Habakkuk and make it more than just a Bible story, but if we're going to take the truth of the story and we're going to apply it into our own lives, it's important that we understand that when we find ourselves in the valley of despair, the way you begin to, uh, to move out through and out is that you turn your frustration, you turn your pain, you turn your struggle, whatever's going on inside of you, you take that and you exchange it for prayer and you exchange it for praise. And so as we, today, as we look uh, deeper into the Habakkuk chapter three, we're gonna see this played out. I'd, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and I'd like for you to turn to Habakkuk chapter three. You should be pretty good at this now. Now, I've been joking every week. It's just three chapters, and it kind of gets lost. You know, you should, you, maybe you have it marked now like I do. That's why I can turn there so quickly. Um, but uh, why don't you turn to chapter 3? And then as you're turning there, here's what I want to say. Um, this week, as I was studying and as I was prepping for this message, as I was studying chapter 3, I took actually a great deal of time to determine exactly how I was going to approach chapter 3. And in the end, I came to a conclusion that I was going to do something that I don't typically do. Um, In order for us to get the full weight of the story of Habakkuk, to understand how we take it and apply it, it's actually necessary that that I read to you the entire chapter. Now, I say that unapologetically. We are in church, right? And we do come to study the Bible. So I'm going to read 19 verses to you. I'm a pretty good reader, so I'm going to put a little action in there. And I promise it won't be boring. But if we're going to get the weight of what's going on, then it's necessary that we look at the whole chapter. Um, I want to go ahead and tell you what you're going to hear uh, as I read. You're going to hear basically three different themes or divisions in in the book. In in verses 1 and 2, you're going to hear his his prayer, his, his petition. Uh, to God. And, and then uh, when we look at verses 3 through 15, what we're going to hear is uh, he moves into praise as he recalls God's work in the past. That's very important. And then when we look at verses 16 through 19, what we see is we see that movement that I talked about that he made, where, where he moved from doubt to faith. And it becomes very obvious when you hear the verse, you go, oh, okay. I, he just made the change. And, and so again, this is, this, is, this is for us. This is so that we can, we can take this and apply it. So I'm going to begin reading in chapter 3, verse 1. It begins this way. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shigianoth. Does anybody know what Shigianoth is? I, I, I didn't until this week. So Shigianoth, I, I, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I didn't know until this week. I'll just leave it there. Um, Shigianoth, the word, the phrase, the term actually means it's, it's, it's poetic. 
it's a hymn. So very likely, uh, this was a, a hymn that was, that was sung. It's very poetic in nature. And so in verses one and uh, now in verse two, it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. So I, I love this because he's calling out uh, in his prayer the fame of God. And then he says, and God, do it again. I want you, I'm petitioning you today to do it again. And then in verse three, he moves into praise. He says, God, you came from Timon, the holy one from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry uh, with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by the deep, roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens and the glint of your flying arrows at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses churning the great waters. And then in verse 16, you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear the movement. You're gonna hear the turning. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Listen to this. I, I love this. Though the fig tree does not bud and, there, there, and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Do you hear that? The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer, the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Aren't those powerful verses? I think we go home now because we've heard the word of the Lord. So, um, uh, these verses paint a picture of uh, what the journey out of the valley of despair looks like. So, what does that journey look like? Uh, what is it that we learn from Habakkuk? And the first lesson that we learn from Habakkuk is in verse 2. Let me read that again. It says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day and our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. When he says, he begins and he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. 
I have heard of your fame, Lord. What's he saying? What's he referring to? Well, actually, what he's referring to is he's referring to, you know, last week we looked at verses 1 through 4, but what we didn't do is read 5 on. And what happened in, in the remainder of chapter 2 is, is uh, Habakkuk had been calling out to God, asking him to respond, and God does. God reveals the details of his plan in the remainder of, of, of chapter 2. And, and Habakkuk is saying, I've heard I've heard what you said, God. I understand what you've said. Um, it, it, really what happened is Habakkuk uh, heard a revelation of the character of God. You see, God said this. He said, um, here's what you can know. Here's what you can rest assured. It's true. I am going to bring justice against the evil people, Judah, my people. And I'm going to use the Babylonians. But here's what you can count on. The Babylonians are going to get what's coming to them. They're not going to get off the hook. They're not going to get off the hook in any way. Habakkuk had heard a revelation of the character of God. And as he reflects on the character of God, he's reflecting on who God is. And that's when he says, do it again, Lord. That's my petition. I, I know who you are. I know who you act. I know your character. I understand your nature. And I'm asking, I'm petitioning you, do it again. Do it again, do it again. And that's the first lesson. When we find ourselves in the valley and we want to make our way out, we pursue God in the struggle. We embrace God in the season by reflecting on his character. We reflect on his character. And as we reflect, we recall what he's done. And uh, we, we, it becomes our petition. Our petition is, God, I, I, I know who you are. I, I, I'm having an understanding of your character and your nature. And I'm asking in my situation, do it again, God. That's my petition. Would your character be the guiding force in my situation? Be true to your character in my situation, God. I'm recognizing I can count on you. All of our actions are driven by our views of God and how he interacts with us. Do you believe that? All of, our, all of our actions are driven by our views of God and how he interacts with us. So nothing could be more important to life than knowing God accurately. We, we've got to know God accurately. So what does that mean? What does it mean to know God accurately? What are we reflecting on when we reflect on his character? So to reflect on his character means that we're working towards understanding what it means to say things like, God you are everywhere and you know all things. And God, you are all powerful. There's no power greater than you. Your power is above. God, you are unchangeable. Therefore, I can trust in you. And God, you are holy. And God, you are righteous and you are just and you are good and you are truth. Those things represent the character of God. And it's as we begin to work towards understanding what they really mean. We may not always understand at first. We have to work through what does it mean to say that God is a God of justice. But the Holy Spirit will come alongside and will reveal and teach to us what the character of God is all about. Reflecting on the character of God, um, it's like uh, it, it becomes our, our spiritual, our moral compass in life. 
when we have an understanding of who God is. I love the quote that's in your notes by Tozer. It said, it says, it's impossible to keep our moral practices sound and our inward attitude right while our idea of God is erroneous or inadequate. It's pretty powerful if you think about it. We've got to have a right perspective of God so we reflect on his character. And one of the greatest times to reflect on his character is when we find ourselves in the struggle, in the valley of despair. Uh, The second lesson comes from verses 3 through 15. And don't worry, I'm not going to read all those verses again, but I will give you the lesson. Remember what God has done. So we're reflecting on his character, who God is, but we take time to remember what God has done. In verses 3 through 15, Habakkuk lists some very uh, visible, some very tangible um, uh, events, times, and locations where God has revealed his greatness and his power to his people. And as he reveals those times and those places, those locations, uh, those events, um, they would have triggered spiritual memories within God's people. So in other words, Habakkuk is saying, God, I, I remember, I remember what you've done for me in the past. I remember what you've done for us in the past. I I remember how you overwhelmed us in that situation, in this situation, with your power and your greatness and your glory. I remember when you did this, God, and I remember when you did this, God, and I remember when you did that, God, and I remember how you met us at a time of need, and I remember how you provided for us. And those things would have provoked those, triggered those spiritual memories in God's people building their faith. And while those... uh, those particular times and, and, and locations, places, events, while they may not trigger particular spiritual uh, memories in us, what we can know is that we follow suit. We do what Habakkuk has modeled. So when we're in the valley, when we find ourselves in the valley of despair, we need to stop and remember. I mean, even if you stop right now and you think back to some of the times, many of the times where God just showed, uh, he showed off in your life. He did something that you, you, it it was truly a miracle. In in the natural, it couldn't have worked out. It's those kinds of things. When we find ourselves in the valley of despair, we stop and we remember what God has done in our lives, in us, through us, and despite us. We take time and we remember all those things. You see, Habakkuk is encouraging us to draw from our long-term memory instead of replaying over and over in our mind our present, uh, disastrous, challenging, difficult situations. That doesn't accomplish anything. It only causes panic and it causes anxiety. And Habakkuk is saying, draw from your long-term memory. Recall what God has done for you in the past. So when we can't see God in our present situation, we simply stop and we look back and we remember, oh God, you're so good. You've overwhelmed us in the past. Do it again, God. That's my petition. Do it again. The third lesson comes from verses 16 through 19. Uh, But before I read those verses to you, or before I talk about those verses, I might read them in a minute. Um, uh, I want to ask, I want to talk about earthquakes. How how many people in the room have uh, experienced or lived through an earthquake? Raise your hand. It's frightening, isn't it? It, it, It's scared. 
me. I started. <laughs> yeah. So Cammie and I lived in Southern California for 21 years, and uh, the two earthquakes that stand out in our mind is the Whittier earthquake that happened not long after we moved, enough to scare us. But then the Northridge earthquake, uh, which was very uh, severe for us because our home was not far from the epicenter. And um, there's this experience with the earthquake, and all those who have experienced it, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's loud. A lot of things are going on. It's loud. You hear the rumble as the earth is literally moving like this and ground is breaking up. Uh, there's a roar that happens as this movement is going on. Um, and, 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 and then there's this physical thing that happens in your body. At least for us it did. Uh, because you see what would happen is it was bad enough to be in the initial earthquake but for days afterwards, there would be aftershocks. And sometimes the aftershock could be as great as the initial earthquake. And so you had for days, sometimes a month or more, this constant rumbling. And every time it happened for us, there was this thing where it felt like the blood was draining out of our body. And we got weak. And when it would get down to this point, your legs just, I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm gonna pass out. I, I can't take this. And that's exactly what, Habakkuk experienced. Listen in the first part of verse 16. He says, I heard and my heart pounded and my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. My legs trembled. Here's the reality of what Habakkuk was facing. God said, yes, I am going to bring justice against Judah. I'm going to use the Babylonians. And I'm going to bring justice against the Babylonians. And here's what I want you to know, Habakkuk. It's not going to be fun. Can you imagine God speaking to you and saying, I'm going to use your worst enemy to destroy you? Maybe some of you feel like you're in a situation like that right now. Imagine. And that's, that's kind of what Habakkuk was facing. God was saying, I'm going to bring justice, but it's not going to be fun-filled. In fact, it's going to be awful. And there's a lot of innocent people who are going to suffer in the process. And it was at that that he had this physical response. But even so, greater than his physical response was his spiritual response. Let me read the latter portion of, of, of verse 16. It says, um, yet... I will wait patiently for the Lord in the day of calamity to come on the nation inviting us. There was that transition. That transition happened. Um, his response was, God, I don't like it. I don't quite understand it, but I choose to have faith. I choose to trust you in the midst of of this tumultuous time that's coming, even if I don't fully understand. Habakkuk chose to embrace God in the season, and that's the lesson that we have to learn, that uh, we may not fully understand what's going on in us, but we choose to trust God and we embrace the season. Regardless of what's going on, we embrace the season. Why is that so important? Well, I want to read to you a passage. I'm reading it on my phone, which I don't typically do because I'm reading it from a different translation, the voice translation, but it's James chapter 1. And it says this beginning in verse 2. Don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. As difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them. 
if you embrace them. Your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. And true patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line, mature, complete, and wanting nothing. Here's what that verse is saying. When you find yourself in the valley of despair, you do not stick your head in the sand and try to hide. You don't run from the struggle. Instead, you make a choice to embrace God in the season because you understand, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand this situation. But what I do understand is that you're working something in me. You're changing me. Remember last week we talked about he's more interested in our character than our happiness. He's, he's developing, he's building, and that if we will embrace God in the season, that God will see us through. We have a faith that God will see us through. We trust him even if we don't understand. One last lesson. Here's the final lesson. It's in verses 17 through 19. Uh, we have to worship God in the valley. We have to worship God in the valley. I want to read these verses to you again because I think they're so powerful. Though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. This is a picture of embracing God in the midst of the storm and embracing Him through worship. Worshiping God in the difficult seasons of our lives opens way for God to work. And why? Because when we're in those situations and we choose to trust God and we move beyond ourselves and we worship, our perspective begins to change because we have ongoing revelations of who God is. Uh, and so I would say one of the greatest things that we can do, one of the greatest spiritual things that we can do when we find ourselves in the valley of despair is to praise until something happens. Praise until something happens. You might think, think that sounds cliche. No. You praise until something happens. It reminds me of Paul and Silas at midnight as they're worshiping. Uh, the chains dropped. God is at work in our worship. And we want to model that this morning. We want to just end this service in praising God for his goodness and believing something good is going to happen even in my situation. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.